0: (laughs) Okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, seen that movie? You seen that movie, movie. movie Joe? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. In our 670 the
1: score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't
0: know. No. Oh, talk to D Rose. Yeah, you got, you're going to make, make and Matt, it. Happen. And Matt, well, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best hour of your your day.
1: Are players buying in, Jim?
0: I, yes. Fair enough. And
1: so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast. Locked on Bulls, five days a week. Locked on
0: Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331 979 1369. Drop your text to your voicemails. Anything you got for us, drop it there. Once again, 331 979 1369. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed our kickoff to player previews yesterday where we talked for the majority of the episode about Kobe White. Uh if you didn't get a chance to hear that, go back and listen to that from yesterday's episode, but we're going to continue on with our player preview or play I keep saying player previews cuz the season didn't necessarily end. Our player reviews and we're going to do Otto Porter today. Uh it's going to be a little bit shorter of a player review today because of the lack of games Otto Porter played this year, but we'll see where the conversation goes. We also want to take your text messages and your questions for our mailbag today so we'll do that as well but Matt how are you happy hump day I, I know we joked about it on Monday that I couldn't even recognize what day it is and I still feel like that today I feel like it's just one endless loop of time but how are you
1: what's up Jordan what's up Bulls Nation yeah man I don't know what day it is I just know that we're somewhere in the back end of March um, still doing well laying low up here in northern Michigan with my family at, uh, at our folks place and, uh, you know, staying out of trouble. Um, it's actually a really nice day weather-wise for the first time since we've been up here. So I was actually shooting hoops in the driveway. It felt amazing, but also just made me really miss basketball because I'm not as good as NBA players. Uh, in case, you know, that wasn't obvious. But yeah, man, uh, I'm excited to talk about Otto uh, on today's episode. <laughs> I think it's funny, though, that probably most of our conversation about Otto Porter Jr. is not going to be about the season he had, but about all of the other... Factors that are affected by the absence of Otto Porter Jr. Because that was the big storyline with him this season.
0: Yeah, I think the bizarre thing at the beginning of the season, Matt, was that you and I kind of looked at each other after the first two weeks or so when we're like, Otto doesn't look the same as he did back in February. And is that due because of an injury or is that the mere fact that uh, maybe we got Fools Golden trading for it Because he wasn't the same player he was in February And sure enough we found out He was dealing with an injury And with any Bulls injury We don't really get a real timeline on any players So a lot of us thought maybe he'd be out a month Six weeks and it turned into Three quarters of the season So, But that was the one main thing I wanted to kick it off with Was we clearly knew At the beginning and the start of the season That Otto Porter, the player we were seeing there Was not the same guy that we saw back in February The guy we thought we acquired no no he really
1: wasn't um whether you talk about his his shooting percentages um or just the overall impact he had on the the offense because when you saw him play in those february games immediately following the trade last season you saw a guy that opened up so many options for the bulls offense and created so much more spatial uh you know activity on the floor so much more uh spatial benefits for for his teammates um And you know you you throw another high IQ basketball player out there and it's a wonder that you're like oh gee wow He makes the right pass when the right pass is there to be made. He shoots when he has open shots seems simple and it seems like Stupidly simple, but that like the Bulls were missing that competent of a player last season But then he starts slow this year, you know, he he plays the first nine games as a starter And I think the bulls as a team just were not all on the same page when it comes to how they wanted to install that offense right out of the gate. And like they were in a lot of those games, the first 10 games of the year, the first nine games that Otto played, they were in a lot of them and they were leading a lot of them and they coughed up fourth quarter leads in a lot of them. And maybe they should have been, uh, you know, six and three instead of three and six through the first nine games that Otto played before he went down. But um, I think just, that speaks to especially in crunch time and in fourth quarters when opponents defenses you know uh you know kicked up another notch or two the bulls offensively just fell apart execution wise and you know otto obviously was a part of that but guess what otto wasn't the one handling the ball late in the game is this is a success
0: uh played for me yeah i'm with you and that's you know, that's something that I think kind of masked the overall impact Otto had early on in the season. Was like, well, you know, Otto may not be playing all that great right now, and maybe it's just knocking some of the rust off to start the season. Uh, but but the more concern was the Bulls blowing as many games as they did at the beginning of the season. Like you talked about, you know, the Bulls were in a lot of those games, and our issue was more so not with Otto Porter's play, with the fact that the entire Bulls team couldn't couldn't figure out how to fucking close a game. So. To me, Otto Porter's impact at the beginning of the season was minimal, uh, but we found out for good reason why he wasn't playing at the level that we've seen him play at before, even just in a Bulls uniform in a 14 or 15-game sample size. Uh, So he returns, plays pretty, I I would say, plays about what we expected I feel like he was an impact in one or two games Uh, you could clearly tell that it was helping out a lot of the Bulls other shooters too I mean the relief that it must feel for guys like Zach Levine and Kobe White not to feel like those two guys are the only scoring options this Bulls team has so it was good to see him back out there, but again, we wasted almost an, we wasted literally an entire year. No chemistry built, and maybe they did off before, but no on-floor chemistry built among teammates. We don't really know what Otto Porter can be with this team, and we don't know how he plays with the core pieces of this group. So again, I go back to last year when the Bulls touted him as a core piece going forward. I hated that idea because it, I felt like it was too early to evaluate that. I mean, the Bulls just acquired him. We only had one year left of him and maybe if he picked up the option have a second additional year to it I just didn't like the fact that the Bulls all of a sudden as soon as we traded for him decided to start putting him on promos and acting as if he was part of this main core when we really had no idea and sure worst case scenario happens this year where he doesn't play almost the entire season so I was disappointed but I don't know where I don't know where we go from here with yeah
1: and I mean I think you were right to feel like he wasn't a part of the core because that's that's not the same thing as being a part of the starting five because obviously with his skill and his experience and the Bulls complete lack of depth at that wing spot of course he was the default starter assuming he was healthy. He, he became the instant starter the day after he arrived in the trade and of course he was the default starter coming into training camp last fall. And his early season injury just re-highlighted what we worried about all offseason long, which was the fact that, you know, the Bulls made a couple of nice moves. We felt good about them selecting Kobe White. We thought Gafford may have been a second-round steal. And then the the Thad Young and the Sato free agent signings made sense. But if there's one thing that they didn't address that could have come back to bite them, it was that that depth at that wing spot behind Otto because you you were coming out of a season where Denzel played zero of 82 games with ongoing issues that he's had with his various knees and his ankles since going back to his Michigan State days and even back in high school. And Chandler Hutchison had an injury played rookie season and you didn't know what you could get out of him. And Otto went down first and then we had more of the same with Hutch being a unreliable guy as far as just being available and being healthy enough to stay on the court. So to me, it's like, yeah like uh, calling otto a corp never made sense he was a part-time solution to add at a much needed position on the floor at the wing but now you're looking at a situation where i mean i would put it at less than 0.01 percent that he does not pick up that player option for next season for another 28 million dollars because who in this uh this tightened salary cap summer we got coming up where there are not a lot of teams with money. And yeah, it's a, it's a smaller, shallower pool of free agents. So maybe Otto is a more enticing piece uh, considering the lack of competition on the free agent market. But, you know, we were talking on yes, or Monday's show about maybe the cap going down because of the lack of revenue because of this coronavirus shutdown. So, I mean, who, who out there is going to be giving Otto anything close to you know even above 20 million annually on a multi-year deal yeah i mean now you're just looking at him not only he's still not part of the core he's just going to be around for another year and maybe the bulls look to figure out what the next step is at that wing spot after otto goes i don't know about you right now jordan but i don't feel great about hutch being that guy he showed us
0: glimpses but the dude can't stay on the floor that's the that's the biggest issue with him and you know as much as I was willing to give him a shot man like I'm I'm so tired of you know having to play the waiting game especially with a guy that we spent a first round pick on you traded Nico and you had the opportunity to draft somebody that could have an impact and I don't have it in front of me but I would be willing to bet there's half a dozen guys that were drafted after Chandler Hutchison are still having impacts on their team meanwhile and I, I get Chandler Hutchison can't can't control the injuries but still it just feels like this is one of those things that always happens to the Bulls and it's always a Bulls thing Uh, but you're right Uh, I mean how many how many times have we mentioned Matt throughout the rebuild in these first three years the Bulls don't have any wing depth the Bulls don't address their wing depth over the offseason they reassure us that Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hutchison and Otto Porter are going to be fully healthy and ready to go and The funny thing is is two out of the three of those guys were not fully healthy for the entire season and the other one got exiled so the fact that you went into the season relying on three guys to fill that wing depth and all three guys didn't pan out I don't know what that says. Does that say more th- more about your evaluation of these players? Does that say that this was just dumb bad luck, or is it somewhere in between? But again, we're we're going to be a in, combination
1: uh, of all these things. I think is the answer. I think I think you're right. Because instead of, rel- because instead of relying on those guys, like who do, who do the Bulls rely on at the wing this season? After you know Otto went down in Game Nine and then Hutch was barely available, it's like they played Chris Dunn probably more so than anybody else at the wing this season. They played. Archie at the wing, they
0: played Shaq Harrison at the wing. They even played Kobe freaking white at the wing. And going to those small ball those small ball three guard lineups, the Bulls get absolutely killed and somebody who 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 I would be pissed off too is Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, the poor guy when he was in there, when he wasn't hurt. The poor guy in there would would have three or four fouls before you could even blink. I mean, when you have a three-guard lineup like that, you end up screwing your big man, especially when he's trying to figure out how to play the center position. He's still getting used to his own position, too. So it doesn't help when... The Bulls have no help along the perimeter. You feel like your guy down low has to be the number one defender. So it just caused a lot of issues for this Bulls team this year. Put a lot more pressure on Zach Levine too. So I guess to kind of wrap up the Otto Porter assessment here, Matt, my biggest question is the Bulls going to look to trade him this year. I know you talked about the cap going down. And that would be a huge, huge thing. Otto Porter's not getting anywhere near $20 million if he declined that option. So you know for a fact the Bulls are going to have to eat that money for next year. But I still have a strong feeling that the Bulls could end up dealing him. Even in the small sample size, we saw him coming back at the end of the season before things were canceled. That might be the only saving grace to help us, Matt, in conversations of trading Otto Porter this summer if that does come about. But what do you think about that if the Bulls are looking to engage in deals there's probably only about a handful of teams that could deal for him with his Well, money. yeah,
1: I mean, the Bulls are really good if, if there's a silver lining here at eating money because of their own incompetence and bad decisions. I mean, they've got plenty of experience in that realm, whether it's coaches or players. They paid Tibbs to go away. They paid Fred to go away. They paid Dwayne Wade to go away. I mean, even going back to, to amnestying Carlos Boozer at the end of that run. So if they had to do that, I think they would be okay with doing that um, as as much as it you know makes them look like they have egg on their face but at this point their entire face is a collective frittata the size of texas so who the fuck cares nobody's jobs are at stake anyway we think we'll believe it when we see it um as far as you know the 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 potential or the idea of trying to trade auto i mean if if there's one thing that you could say is enticing it is if healthy if he comes through and say plays Whatever the delayed calendar year of the 2021 season is, after he picks up his option with the Bulls, uh, he plays the first three months of the season, and he looks good. And the Bulls are less of a shit show, dumpster fire team, you know, sitting in the basement of a bad Eastern Conference. If he builds up some kind of useful player trade value, in addition to a big expiring contract, the Bulls might be able... To make that look like an enticing trade piece, but what worries me there is: Are you so desperate to get off of Otto's deal that's expiring to take on a different bad contract of a player that doesn't help you? Because other than that, what what potential options are out there? Maybe you you get some draft capital, um, you know, in, in a trade by, by shipping Otto away. But what what team out there is going to you know cough up a first round pick for a half season loner? Slash maybe we will retain Otto if we feel like it after this half of a season where maybe he helps us on a playoff run.
0: I don't know if, if if any 29 NBA teams are giving up a first round. I'm trying to look to to see. It. And, you know, the two teams that come to mind for me right off the bat in terms of trade partners, one that we talked about last year in acquiring Otto Porter was Denver. Denver was really, really high on Otto, felt like that he would be the missing piece at the wing position to help them kind of get over the top. I'm looking at Denver's uh, salary cap for next season. They the third. Three highest players in the team are Jokic and Murray. Both of those guys making 29 million. You have Gary Harris at 19 million, Will Barton at 13.7, and then they have uh, Jeremy Grant at 9.3. And that I believe is a that is a player option. So I would imagine that he's going to probably pick that up. This is probably. Between the Denver Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers are another team that I thought about, too. They've been desperately trying to piecemeal together a way to bring in a scoring wing. Look at what look at how many wings that they've gone through in the last two seasons. And finally, they res, they had to resort to Melo finally to come in and play part of that role to just be a scoring option at some point. So both of these teams have salaries in which the Bulls, I think, could trade. But again, it's like, what do you want to get for these guys? port or yeah portland could say all right we drafted zach collins at number 10 he just came off of an entire season where he had to have surgery and didn't play basically at all they could throw zach collins in there and then you take the one year trevor ariza and maybe one other thing and try to make a big deal out of this um otherwise you go to denver and look at them but Denver doesn't have a whole lot to trade away either. Are they going to trade Gary Harris away to try to match the money? Do they don't feel like he's good enough anymore? Would they trade Will Barton? And what would the Bulls ask for back? If I'm trading Otto Porter to Denver, my first my first ask on top of taking somebody's bad money would be, give me Michael Porter Jr. He's not helping you win right now. You're in a window to win right now. I, give me I, Michael dude, Porter Jr. But The Bulls could have taken Michael Porter Jr. in the draft two years ago if they wanted to. Like...
1: The Bulls got Michael Porter Jr.'s medicals. So they were the first team to get his medicals, and the Bulls said, eh, no thanks, and passed on him, and then five or six other NBA teams pass on him after the Bulls picked at seventh before the Nuggets finally took a flyer on him. And yeah, he had a couple of nice, you know, breakout, looks like a potential star on the rise kind of games for Denver this season when he when he came back in and started playing. But what what do you what makes you think that the Bulls would rethink that decision of theirs? to pass on
0: the risk attached to his name when it came time to make their decision at pick number seven two years ago. Well, if you think about it, too, you're not spending a, a first-round pick or a lottery pick on Michael Porter Jr. You already have the player that you acquired from that draft, and you're not... And Lotto Porter's not a long-term option, so whatever you can get for him, you get for him. And say you have to take on an additional year of a Gary Harris at $20 million, or you have to take on Will Barton's contract at his player option in 21-22 at $14.6 million. Regardless you could use that those trade chips and say, here, Otto can help you guys win now. He'll pick up his player option next year, and maybe he re-signs with you long-term. That's a scoring piece. That's a piece to win now. Is Will Barton going to be a piece that's going to get you over the top? And Michael Porter Jr., yeah, while he might be a good player in three or four years, do the Denver Nuggets have, enough time, have time three or four years to kind of develop him and hope he ends up being a, a piece that could help them win a championship? Probably not. I don't think they have that long of a window. I understand your concern about the health and stuff, but I think this would be a different look at it, especially now that we've actually seen him play in NBA games. He looks healthy. And to me, I don't think the Bulls are giving up nearly as much as they would in taking a gamble on drafting him at, what, number seven two years ago?
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it's not a a hugely different scenario. And... I mean, I I, I was against it. You know, you go back and check the tape. I'm pretty sure you you were concerned about MPJ, but maybe you were a little bit more willing to take the risk than I was. I can't remember. Um, But I know that I was saying, dude, stay away from this kid. Like, like, yes, he's exciting. He's got all the potential in the world, but – At the time, Wendell, after the year he had at Duke, and yeah, he was kind of overshadowed by Bagley a little bit, but I really liked what I saw from Wendell. So to me, passing on Porter, who had a huge asterisk of risk next to his name, was, yeah, the safe move, but probably the smarter move, in my opinion. And I don't know why that changes, and even if I we're feeling a little bit more risky right now and saying, man, I really liked what I saw from a healthy Michael Porter jr. In those spurts for Denver this season. You know, my original point was that I I don't know how that changes from the bulls perspective, assuming that they are still the ones making these decisions. And again, that's a whole other conversation. We'll see if there is in fact a new piece and a new voice added to this front office who might say, screw y'all, I know you passed on Michael Porter Jr. two years ago, but we want him, let's try and go get him in this trade. I'm just saying, you know, status quo remains the same until it's not.
0: And I don't know why the Bulls would change their mind. Yeah, it's a good question unless they decide. And that's the other thing too is like, what are you doing here? Like, what is this Bulls team doing? Are we are we still trying to do this thing where we're competitive again and we're setting the bar going into year four of a rebuild? are we setting the bar as playoff expectations or are you extending out this rebuild because if you're extending out this rebuild then going to teams like portland or denver and saying hey i want Nas little or i want michael porter jr if i'm going to trade you an asset that's going to help you win now i want one of those young guys but again it goes back to your point like uh, how long are these guys going to need to develop? Do you trust the Bulls to be able to develop these guys? And what kind of message are you sending to your fan base when you go out and you trade for younger players? And instead, your message not even 12 months ago was, hey, we're going to sign vets and try to try to push this thing over to the top and and really accelerate this thing. So it would be doing a disservice because you'd be delivering two different messages. But if you're going to trade Otto away, you should be able to get some type of value for him. You should get either a young player or a future pick or something attached to that, even though he does have a decent amount of money attached to his name for next season. But again, one team could be off of that. So a one year contract is a whole lot different than where the Bulls acquired him last year, where he still had two years left on his deal. So uh, the last thing I was think, the last team that I was thinking about for Otto was Philly. We kind of talked about this at the beginning, uh, or maybe we talked about it last week when we were talking about if the 76ers decide to blow things up, could a deal be made to the 76ers for one of their their pieces, whether it be Al Horford, whether it be Tobias Harris, whether it be Ben Simmons. Uh, I think a deal could be struck with the 76ers as well. And I'm just trying to think of teams, too, that have money, but also the Bulls could acquire plug-and-play pieces right away. So Philly was another option that I was thinking of.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of a wait-and-see option there because if, if they're going to make a move, obviously that's going to be... Philly deciding, okay, we have to trade one of these core pieces that we have, and then let's hear all the best offers. And then the Bulls would have to outbid, you know, you know m- maybe as, as many as a dozen other NBA teams who were interested in the services of whoever it was they decided to put on the trading block, whether it be Embiid or Simmons or or one of the other role players. So, you know, I I don't know that the Bulls could control that situation um, because Philly would certainly be a team that would be saying. This is a big change for us. We're making, you know, we're making a trade because we just we, we feel like we're we're falling a little bit short on on our championship window here with the young talent. We got to trade one of these pieces and they would control that situation and I don't know how much the Bulls could could do to help themselves in that scenario. The the, the final thing that I would that I would say uh, you know about our our Otto Porter Jr. recap season Jordan and I'd love your thoughts on this too is that to me and again it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning which is like it's not about the numbers that Otto put up this season it's mostly about what his absence brought to the forefront uh, what it highlighted the issues in this organization not only the roster and the big one to me was something that that our listeners ask us about all the time Bulls fans on Twitter talk about this all the time but buddy Big Dave anytime he sees Jeff Tanaka on the sidelines of a Bulls broadcast he loses his fucking mind What, why did we not know what was going on with Otto all season long? The weird, vague platitudes about his injury status. It's what we were dealing with with Denzel Valentine all of last season. We dealt with similar issues with Lowry earlier this season. It was like, is he hurt? Is he playing hurt? Is he not hurt? And we, we never understand. We never have legitimate explanations from this organization as to this is the injury of this player and this is the timeline. And it always changes and it always morphs and we never get satisfactory explanations. And it always seems to get worse before it gets better. To me, that was the biggest thing with Otto this season other than, yeah, they really missed his production because they had absolute dick as far as depth at the wing spot. But it just continued to highlight what the hell is wrong with this team's medical staff, with this team's strength and conditioning staff, because they can't – they keep using injuries as an excuse – Every NBA team deals with injuries, but this team appears to be the one more so than any other L, any other team in the league that's so just off the mark with diagnosing and,
0: and moving forward when their players get injured. It's, it's honestly a great point by you. The fact that we didn't know how long this injury was going to be, we didn't know how it originated, and we didn't know a timeline. And it was the same thing we were pissed off about last year, about Denzel Valentine. It's like, oh, yeah, he's going to be back in a few weeks. Just kidding. He's going to have season-ending surgery. Day-to-day. Didn't he start training camp day-to-day? Played zero of 82 games. Go to day-to-day to to season-ending surgery. And the best part about that is Denzel came out and said, yeah, it was frustrated as hell nobody was telling me anything everybody just kept saying we're going to evaluate in a few weeks and he clearly knew he wasn't getting better and he's like i just at a certain point i wanted to just have the surgery and get it over with already but i wasn't getting clear cut answers as to my progression or what what the options were so it's it's wild that even players say things like that too we saw that back with valentine last year i would be curious to under you know if somebody could have a sit-down conversation, whether it be one of the beat writers that write a story about Otto, because we haven't seen much of any type of stories, buzz, anything, which is another curious case for Otto, is we haven't heard much from him. So, uh, you know, other than the media, the media scrums that we hear from him when he returned, and even then, I don't get a whole lot from him at those. It seems like he's more about him than he is about this whole Bulls thing which can you blame him but still I would love to know his thoughts on it what happened how did this happen was it an Otto Porter thing did he hurt himself uh, you know while in a Bulls facility did he hurt himself in the offseason where did this injury come did it extend from last year and was it dealt with properly did he feel like it was dealt with properly so I would like to hear maybe at some point this offseason a story from Otto and actually get a clear explanation of why this took three to four months for him to be out and miss basically an entire season.
1: Yeah, and honestly, to me, that's one of the things that I'm, you know, again, trying to not get my hopes up and I won't believe it until I see it. But this massive overhaul that we keep hearing about this offseason when it comes to the people in the C-suite managing this team, that's one of the, the, the perks that that I'm most excited about when it comes to change is expecting a new GM or maybe even somebody who is given the title of head of basketball operations and they give Paxson and some other flowery title, like hitter of three pointers 30 years ago, um, advisor, but like they will bring in their own people like jeff tanaka thanks but bye and honestly not that many thanks chip schaefer the 90s were fun why the hell are you still employed here we need new people we need young people we need better people their whole shtick about in our building is a joke it is nothing other than a joke when half of their roster is injured all season long
0: they've been in this building in this building here in the advocate center (laughs) it is a joke For the amount of money that the Bulls spent on the Advocate Center and then, you know, how ironic it is. I would love to know if the Bulls have the most injuries over the course of the last, what, five years? Or even if you go back a decade plus, do the Bulls have the most significant injuries as an organization out of any other team in the league? I feel like it's just been one kick in the nuts after the other with injuries. And then on top of it when when fans criticize when we don't know anything, then it's like all of a sudden the news becomes less and less about guys, you know, and now it's all internal. So uh, that's just another thing that I don't know why they do this but you know it only just drives fans away when you're not honest and transparent and that goes for a lot more things than just injuries and we it seems like that's just a constant theme with this team and we say it all the time it's like if the bulls would just be a little bit more transparent with their fan base a little bit more open a little bit more honest that would go a long way. At least I feel like it would go a long way with their fans. But instead, they like to play the secrecy route, which I don't know if that's going to play out well for them. And I think that they're seeing that as well. Even when we had games at a normal pace, we saw people just stopped caring and stopped going to games. So maybe, maybe they changed their tune, like you said. And maybe things change here in the offseason. But as far as Otto goes, man, he's gonna—I feel like he's gonna be back next year. Hopefully, I hope the Bulls can actually have some decent trade talks and see if they can actually get something for Otto. So, if you ask me, I don't think he's around here long term.
1: Well, you know, who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe they'll get Campaign back in the fold in an Otto border trade. What's he up to? And it bad <laughs> got it back. Listen yeah. Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me, Cameron Payne? I'm telling you, he's having an out-of-body experience. Seven <laughs> oh, of 11. Oh, my goodness. All of his field goals have been threes. Wow. You'd have told me Cameron Payne would have made seven threes in a game. I might have slapped a deal. Maybe we can get one of those guys. I mean, come on, man. Let's uh, let's give up a first-round pick in an auto trade for Dougie McBuckets. Oh, how's how's that sound? Bobby Portis, McDermott, um, Nicole Ameritich, Felicio. Oh, Yeah. Speaking of Bobby Portis, there's another Bulls player in recent memory who just had an injury that they completely just swept under the rug and mistreated. Remember the burned Bobby Portis' foot? And then he just, like, happened to mention well after the season ended, like, oh, yeah, I played the final you know portion of the season with a really bad burn on the top of my foot, and and it, and it got progressively worse. And, and we were all just like, wait, wait, timeout, what? Where the hell did that come from? Or Paul, Paul Zipzer's basically his NBA on.
0: career ended because the Bulls didn't allow him to have surgery. Sir, after the season he had to go get like a third opinion from a doctor over in germany and basically said yeah i don't like the way that 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 my injury was handled i was playing on it for the majority of the last six weeks of the season so th- th- it it's all over Go look for the stories. It's all over. It's all over. And Bulls fans know it's been well documented. So, uh, wow, man, we went a lot longer on Otto Porter than I thought we were going to. So I think we're just going to save the mailbag questions for tomorrow. Uh, We're going to have Rick Camp on tomorrow to talk a bunch of Bulls NBA stuff. And we'll probably just answer some mailbag questions. So if you got a question for Rick Camp, you want to drop a voicemail, you can do that at 331-979-1369. Get your questions in. we got about half a dozen or so. Really good ones to answer tomorrow. But if you do want to have an opportunity to get on the show, 331-979-1369. Or shoot us a tweet at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked on Bulls. But for Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out.
1: Deuces. We hope that in a couple years, players around the league view us as a destination here in the advocate center we were lit in chicago big time onions. six years of college down the drain
0: locked on bulls a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba for more content and to stay up to date head over to lockedonbulls.com.